First Peter 5, verses 8 through 11. Oh yeah, huge announcement. Mike and Amy Arswald had their baby this week, 8 pounds, 11 ounces, Hezekiah. I think his middle name is Michael. Hezekiah Michael William Arswald. Wow, <clears throat> mighty wind. Okay, awesome. It's great to have you guys today. Also, to remember in prayer, uh, Rhoda, who's been coming with her her children, are they're all sick again. Um, so um, her, her her younger daughter, Erin, I believe her name is. Um, they think she has the, the same thing she had before, so she they're taking her back into the emergency room. So um, keep Rhoda and her. Um, her family in prayer, yeah. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump into First Peter. Oh God, I pray that as we, as we come into our second to last week of First Peter, God, that, that we will, by your Holy Spirit, be able to see what Peter saw in the living Christ, uh, the power, the support, the restoration he found in Jesus Christ, um, the passion he found to live for Jesus in a time when it was not easy. And I pray, God, that we'll be inspired today. Um, You'll give us eyes that are open, hearts that are open, and it's the ability to, to receive we praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to stand with me, we'll read. It's a good way to get the blood flowing. Especially since we're beginning our verse with the exhortation, stay alert. And this will help you. Okay, First Peter 5, 8 through 11. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's the part I always forget to do when I do a wedding. I always forget to have people sit down. So they just stand around awkwardly. So... Second to last week, as we're going through First Peter, the, the whole series has been called a, a Living Hope because Peter, who wrote this book, found in the living Christ a Jesus who, in reality, in space and time, as a physical human being, died, and also, in physical space and time, rose from the dead. He found in that living Christ a living hope that absolutely changed his perspective. He went from 
from Peter who was confident in himself to a Peter who was confident in Christ. And so as we're, as we're winding this down, I, we're going to talk about, again, how Peter was changed by Jesus, how his whole story was changed, how his own view of his own story was changed. Because all of us, in our day-to-day lives, we, we view ourselves in this sort of running, narrated, animated story. And, and some of you play really creative roles in your own minds. Right? Some of you are, are the knight in shining armor. Some of you are the, the uh, damsel in distress. Or the self-confident Rosie the Riveter damsel who doesn't need any help. Right? Some of you guys are the jester in the court. But probably most of us are the hero of the whole thing, right? As the world spins around. As the world spins around us, right? As we go about our business. Some of you even have your own soundtracks. Right? And, and I, it's just been a habit this week. Every time I, I'm driving by a bus stop this week, every time, even this morning as I drove to church here, there's these people like dancing. It's crazy. Those people are the people with the soundtracks in their own head. But the interesting thing is, the people around you, do they see you fulfilling the same spot in the, in the larger story, the grand narrative, as you see, right? As you are perhaps the knight in shining armor, and your wife thinks, maybe he should just clean up after himself. <laughs> Right? Because often, and, and sometimes <laughs> our story collides with the reality of, of someone, maybe gently, maybe somewhat not gently, reminding us that we are not the hero or the heroine of the story. I, in 2008, liked a girl, and, uh, and I thought I was pretty cool. And I thought she did too, until we were talking once on the phone, and, you know, and I was trying to tell her that there were just some things that you know, I didn't like. Um, and she goes, Daniel, you are really condescending. First I had to look the word up, and then <laughs> after I did that, I realized it was not a compliment. And, and it, it, it changed me. It, it collided with my story in such a way that I, I thought, you know, I honestly, there was a lot of pride I didn't see in myself. I hadn't really recognized. And, uh, and I needed that. Um, but in the same way, we have, we have Peter, right? And we're, we're pretty familiar with, in the story of the Gospels, Peter, um, the big fisherman, walking through very confidently with his fisherman swagger, Ready, ready to take on any problem that Jesus has or to tell Jesus any problem that he thinks Jesus might have not accounted for. And, and Peter needed a pretty severe collision with, with that whole idea. And it started in Luke twenty two thirty one, 31 where Jesus says, Simon, this is, is another name Peter had, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, 
But I have pleaded for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Right? And of course, Simon says, I, Jesus, I would, I would never, I would never abandon you. I would never deny you. I would never do any of these things. And Peter found out in not too long that he would do all those things. That he would, he would deny Jesus, right? That he would abandon Jesus in Jesus' hour of greatest need. And, and I think... I think there's a point in all of our lives where we need to, we need to come to that reality that, that though we, we think like Peter, Jesus, I'm on your side. I'm your, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I'm the one you go to if you need anything. That we're confident that we are not only Jesus' follower, but we're very capable at that. And then... All along, we realize that perhaps in our own arrogance, we were only training to be ones that would be very effective at accusing him in the end. When we came to a spot that we realized that we couldn't deal with, but all along we thought we were right there with him. We were right there with him. And then, and then we come to that spot, and then we're the first to accuse. We're the first to be like, well, Jesus, where are you? Right? When Jesus is like, well, you're the capable one. <laughs> right? And so we, we accuse him. So, so in this story, there's, biblically, there's, there's two roles we can take. Two roles we can take. And, and I'll give you both of those. The first is that we go about our story humbly submitting to the good rule of a righteous, holy, just God. And in doing so, we're adopted into his family and we're gradually transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's one role we can take in this big story of life. The second role is we go about trying to be our own master, like the famous poem Invictus says, I'm a master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul. And we can try to do that, making our own decisions, either struggling with, in the end, Crippling anxiety or blinding pride. And both which make us unable to glorify God and unwittingly in the end cause us to help Satan strengthen his grip on the world. Those are, those are pretty stark in contrast, right? But most of us, we like thinking that there are other options. We like taking the third option, which is usually politics, which doesn't involve religion, or either of those first two options, right? Well, I'm just going to vote how I think is best, or I'm going to send in my checks to whatever party I, would, I think I would like them to win, right? But there's not, biblically, there's not any more options. And I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit more about this. In... In the Bible, as Jesus is, is sharing the story about the role you play, think, think about all the parables. And it's really interesting. In none of the parables, are you the master? Are you the master of your own uh, destiny? In the parables, this is the roles that we are asked to view ourselves being in. You're asked to view yourself as a guest. Right? As Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast that's been prepared. And he goes out inviting people 
And you're, you're asked to come. Are you going to come prepared or are you going to come unprepared? Right? You're asked to see yourself as a seed who is planted by a farmer right? in a field. Where do, where do you land? Right? And, and that, that will help govern uh, the way you grow, the way you thrive. You have to see yourself as a branch, right? That cannot survive unless it is in a healthy vine, right? That in all, those, in all these areas, in the area of even as a child, you have to see yourself as a child. Even in that area, a child needs the love, the care, the support of a family. And that's exactly how you're meant to see yourself, right? Never, never as your own master. And it's interesting because in all these ways... We're meant to understand ourselves as being in a place of need, right? And, and from that place, the reality is that we are in that place. And so either, and this is what the Bible says, either you will live with Jesus as your master or you will try to live with yourself as your master, right? Even if you... Even if you vote for somebody that you like, you'll find quickly that you don't like them as your master. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. My guess is that everyone who is now inhabiting Wall Street in the picketing all voted for Obama. And, and I'm not making any political statements. I'm just saying, but now look what's happening. Right Now they're against him. Right when At one time, they were probably for him. Right? It's really interesting, right? And so, so where, where are we serving? Who are we serving? Who is, who is our master in the end? But one thing, the reason why we are so repelled by this is because we do understand in any, any time that we've, we've tried electing people or, or the history of kings, um, and then if we get really personal and we think about our own history, that we probably wouldn't even want ourselves to be the president. You know, um, we think, wow, a master sounds like something I might not want, right? So how, do we, how can we be confident that, that God is a good master, right? That he's just, that he's righteous, that he has your interest in mind. But that's not where we're going to start with. We're going to start with, with Satan, right? That's the way this starts. Stay alert because... Your, your great adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Literally, what it's saying here is, your Satan, the devil, prowls around like the roaring lion. Because the, those two words there, translated anywhere in the Greek, Satan is, means opposer, and the devil means accuser. Which is really interesting, because literally what's going on here is, so not only are you in a place, place of weakness and vulnerability, but in this courtroom that you're asked to envision, you are getting accused by a powerful attorney. You are being opposed by someone who is very good at their work, right? And they're coming against you in this courtroom setting, and you have no defense, right? You're being, you're being prowled upon, right? You're being accused and say that, that looks like this. If, if you look through, uh, through the New Testament, all the places the, the word for, for devil is used, sometimes it's merely used as accuser, 
And, and it's interesting, we'll get to this. But first, we get Matthew 4, right? As, as Jesus goes out to the desert to be tempted, and it says, the accuser comes. And what's he saying to him? If you are the Son of God. If, right? He's accusing Jesus. You know what? I know you probably think you are this, but you're really not. I mean, look at this. You can't even turn a, a rock into a loaf of bread, let alone create the whole world, right? This is petty. All right, and so he continues accusing him. And then the end of that, in, in verse 11, it says, so the great accuser leaves and angels come and tend to Jesus. Right? Because it was exhausting. In Matthew 13, 39, it talks about Jesus planting seeds, and it says that the accuser comes and he steals those seeds, right? He seeks to accuse. So the hope that Jesus is planting here, the accuser is coming and being like, oh yeah, I bet you think you're special, right? Oh, I, I know when you receive the word in you, it gave you a lot of light, it gave you something to hold on to. It made you think that something better was coming, but really it's not. Right? And so the, uh, the accuser again comes and he steals that. But think about it in this way. This is really interesting. Is when we listen to the accuser, we then conform and also participate in accusing. Where in, in 1 Timothy, it says... Deacons' wives must not be, and it's translated, accusers. But literally, it's devils, right? <laughs> Deacons' wives must not be devils, right? Meaning, they must not be people that participate in the ac accusation of others, right? Because oftentimes, when we're hearing this voice of, of Satan saying, yeah, I, I know that, that you're a Christian, but you just keep failing. You fail so much that you think that Jesus still really wants you, right? And so maybe you turn that into, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start picking upon, upon this person and what I see the failures are in their life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them feel small so now I feel bigger, right? And so we participate in that, rather. In 2 Timothy 2, 25-26, it says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's traps, for they have been held captive by him and do whatever he wants. Right? So when we're held captive by those accusations, we begin participating in those accusations. Right? So either, either we're submitting to, to God's good, hopeful words for our lives, that he's, he's speaking life, or we're listening to the accusations and also participating not only in the receiving of death, but also the giving of death to others. And the way this is, is talked about here is, is in terms of a lion. And I'll tell you right off the bat, I am not scared of lions. Because I've never really seen one. I, I drove through the, this, you know, one of those like 
uh, it was up in Squim, and you like drive through, and it's like I was not only in my car, but like 20 feet away, I was in a cage, and it was just docile, you know. And I'm so I'm not scared of a lion. I've never really been in the presence of a lion, right? Even though lions can become up to 550 pounds and eat up to 60 pounds of food in one sitting, and that's quite a bit of me. <laughs> and they can run 36 miles an hour, right? And then they stalk their prey in groups, and they do it in the cold stillness of the night. Right? And all that sounds pretty intimidating, right? Their roar, and it talks about their roar here, right? Seeking whom they, they can devour, right? And its roar can go up to five miles, right? Isn't that amazing? But still, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really scared of lions. If I was walking on the road out here and someone was like, there's a lion, I'd be like, yeah, right. right? I don't see lions anywhere around here. Right? I, I don't know. I want some person tes- personal testimonials or something. But, um, but it, it really isn't like a reality in my life, even though lines are very real. Right? And I think this is the way we go about approaching the devil or Satan sometimes. Right? Because I, I probably, and I, and maybe I'm just like the, the ingrained skeptic, but, you know, when I hear somebody talking about Satan or the devil, I'm like, yeah, I think it's kind of fishy usually. I'm like, well, what are they trying to get at? You know, are they trying to convince me of something else? What angle are they taking? Right? I don't know if any of you guys are like that. Um, but because oftentimes the, the devil has been used um, in such a way that it just seems so fairy tale, so out there, so like the ghost in the closet, Right? Like the boogeyman under the bed. There's a quote that says, By its very character, the demonic has no shape or form of its own. Its essence is to twist and break apart the form of other things, to stunt human growth, to disrupt social order, to misshape animals and trees, to obstruct the fruitfulness of the earth. The demonic is only known by the virtue of the destruction that it causes. Right? And this is really interesting because some, some of you here are much more aware of it, of, of the accusations that, that are brought, of the, the harm that, that he can do in a home, right? The bitterness he can cause in a marriage when all of a sudden a, a husband just starts thinking bad thoughts about his wife and doesn't even know how to stop doing that, Right? Or, or a child to their parent, just wanting to be more and more rebellious, right? And the, the harm, the misshaping that does, right? And so it's weird because we can't, you know, we don't see this pitchforked, horned, red, quasi-weirdo running around, right? That's not, that's not what we see. But we see this, these incredible disastrous, destroying effects, and we don't know how to point at that and say, that is not the work of God, right? And so we don't know what to do because we don't really have an idea of, of the, the demonic, the, of devil, this accuser who is constantly seeking to divide, tear apart, right? 
And, and he is active. In the verse here it says, seeking constantly, seeking whom he can devour. And so it's not like he's off guard at any times, right? He's constantly prowling around looking to do that. So it can't be ignored. The way we respond to this um, by ignoring doesn't help at all. And, and usually be, since we try to treat it, well, I can't, like most things, I can't put the devil in a test tube, so I'm not going to believe in it. Even though I could put a lion in a test tube, even though I don't really, you know. <laughs> right? But you have this hope that we try to create in ourselves of mankind being um, independent, right, and having infinite potential. And, we're f- we, and we find pretty quickly, I think, when that hits reality, like Peter's realization that that doesn't really work out. Um, but when we try to live by that, all of a sudden, we, we, lack, we lack the framework it takes to understand evil in the world. Uh, and we, we lack the understanding of what it takes to then see good come out, righteousness come about in the world. We don't really know, we don't really see what we're being saved from or saved to. In Hebrews 2.14 it says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this could he set free all who lived as slaves to fear of dying. Right? So I, I want us to see first, are you, what master are you serving? Right? Are, do you see yourself as being very vulnerable? Or maybe a time in your life, uh, or maybe even now, vulnerable to those accusations. Um, accusations that might come, ac- come out um, not only from a, a voice that might be saying to you, you're not good enough, right? There's no way. That, I'll just let you look at them while they come down. Just beautiful, distracting. <laughs> okay. So there's a voice that might come, and, and, I, and some of you might have dealt with this, a, a clear presence or a voice that might come and accuse you of your own hopelessness, or it might come even in the form of gossip within the body of Christ or accusation within the body of Christ. It, come, it might come through joking that becomes so hurtful that you own it as your own identity, Right? I don't know if that's ever happened. Maybe it's happened in a Bible study you've been to, and all of a sudden people just start joking so much that you're like, I'm not even encouraged anymore by this. Right? And ways that the accusations are flying. But the underlying fact of it all comes because we are, we are needy people. If we weren't needy people, there would be no such thing as suffering because we'd be able to supply all our needs. Does that make sense? <laughs> right? we, we suffer because we don't have the capability within ourselves to meet all our needs. And so we, we, are, we are accused on that front. And the way that, that Peter, going through that himself, right, as he became an accuser of Jesus... 
and got to the point where he abandoned him completely and felt like he could not come back. And Jesus restores him completely. And he says, Peter, I've prayed for you. So once you have been restored, strengthen your brothers. Right? <laughs> so even when you come from that hopeless point, Jesus can still speak restoration to that. And this is what it looks like. First, it says, so stand firm in faith. And the reason it says this is because Satan only has strength in the areas of your life where there's unbelief, right? Where he is telling you a lie and you are believing it, right? Rather than standing against it and saying, no, no, I'm a child of God, right? He loves me. He gave himself for me, right? Even if you tell me, Satan, I'm not worthy because I am not, but Jesus has given me worth, right? Because he died for me. And I just think that's so, so incredible, Right, and holding to that by faith. So standing firm in faith, and what, is this, what does this look like? This is what it looks like. Verse 10, it says, In his kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So this is what's cool. Is this is how faith comes. Is you have an accuser who's saying, you have no right to be a part of Jesus if there is such a thing, right? If there is such a thing as Christianity, right? But you have no right because of what you've done. And then there comes a call, a call that comes with kindness. Do you hear that in verse 10? In his kindness, he called you to share in his eternal glory. And so you get this call from Jesus, a voice that comes out and doesn't have the sound of accusation anymore, but it's a call of love saying, I want you to come share in my glory. And this is what the call is telling you. This is the promise that is making, being made by God, and it's fourfold. First, it's, it's here in verse 11. First is restoration. Second is support. Third is strengthening. And then fourth is placing you upon a firm foundation. So this is pretty cool, if you think about it this way. So what voice are you listening to, basically? <laughs> Trusting that you're not just listening to your own story, that you're Prince Charming. What voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of, of Satan who will accuse you? Are you listening to the voice of God who's looking to restore you, which is the first one? Restoring in such a way that you cannot deny God sees that you are worth restoring. Think about it this way. Have you ever seen someone really invest in restoring a geometro? Like, I just, I just love the make and model. You know? <laughs> no one does that, right? Like an old BFGO Metro. Yeah, people wonder why they were even made. Um, but there's no wonder, right, as you're reading, right, this, this wildly famous verse, John 3.16, because God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Right? That whoever believes in him won't perish, but they'll have everlasting life. And this is what's amazing, is that, is that when you come to the Gospels, you can't, you can't come to it being like, I'm worthless, right? You come to it going, 
why in the world did, did God want to send his son, right? We're meant to see Jesus as precious. The, the first time, right, when Jesus is baptized and, and the father just comes out and goes, this is my beloved son, I just love him, right? I'm just, I'm happy. I'm happy that he's, he's there with you guys, but I want him back soon, right? Like, don't keep him long, right? He's like, I want him back. And, and yet he's sending him to the world because he loves the world, right? And so he's sending his son to do what? Right? A mission of restoration, of salvation, to restore what was lost, right? Like in any car, right? You don't restore a car unless you see this, what it can become, right? Or an old house. Or if you're into other things like coins, I don't know, right? <laughs> if you're into restoring something, God is in, he's on the mission of restoring your lives, but that can only be done if there was once a make and model that there is to be restored, right? And so when we see in the creation of the world, God making men and women to be in relationship with him, and that is what he's restoring, right? So what was broken can now be regained. And not only will he restore it, but he will support it, right? He will give it what it needs to thrive and survive. So if you, if you, you know, restore your old Geometro, which isn't impossible, maybe you really like it, um, right? You restore the whole thing, but then you, you neglect to put oil in it, right? Or, or the other components that you need, right? That'd be ridiculous, right? But God's not only restoring, but he's supporting, so he's giving you what you need to survive and to thrive, um, to prepare yourself for the feast, the, the bridal feast, when it comes. Third, he's going to strengthen you. Right? That those that wait upon the Lord will, he will renew their strength. He will, he will mount them up on wings as eagles. Um, but this is the part where we stop and we're like, yeah, right. Right? We're like, okay, this sounds so good. I want to, be- Daniel, I want to believe it. Like, I want to be there. <laughs> but I'm not, Right? I'm not because, like, to be, to be able to be strong and strengthened, that just doesn't seem like I could do that, right? You can't. What you're called to do is to have faith. And either you're going to have faith in the accusations that are against you, or you're going to have faith in the Son of God that loves you and gave himself for you, and he will do the rest of the work, right? And you, you heard some of the testimonials, right? Like, what, what God was doing in the week. Sheila's was awesome, right? Is right? Putting her trust in God. And so many of us live in the place of unbelief, the place where the accusations of Satan take, take hold, Right? And we live in that place, and, but we constantly are wondering, I hear the promise of hope, the promise of strengthening, and I don't experience it. <laughs> because we live in this age where right, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me, because we don't realize that belief is the most powerful thing that a human being can actively involve themselves in, right? Is this worth it, right? You wouldn't even do your job if you didn't believe it had something coming, right? <laughs> right? Unless there was money or you really agreed with the organization or something like that, right? We actively set ourselves to believe so many things, but then we hear the word of God, but we're like, but we, we remain with these accusations that our lives will never amount to anything or we'll never, we'll never actually see 
at the closing of our eyes, finally, they'll be open to an eternity, an eternity that can be lived in relationship with the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, right? What do you believe? What are you actively, what are you actively believing in your life, right? And that will profoundly change you. Either you will live believing those accusations that you will never amount to anything, or you will, you will begin hearing the voice of the Son of God who says, I loved you so much that I want to restore you into relationship with myself. And will you believe that? And he will strengthen you to do that. And then he will place you on the firm foundation. And we sang together in Christ alone earlier. And, uh, and I love how each verse ends with standing upon Christ. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Here in the power of Christ I stand. This is where I will find myself, right? Because so often when we're in that place of unbelief, we're just on this shifting sand, right? We're in this, I could believe this, I could believe that, I could, you know, I, I like rice one day, I want beans for dinner the next day, right? It's just like everything's, everything's up to subjectivity, our own, our own voices that we hear or give or whatever. But when will we begin listening to the voice of God? And then we end with this. Verse 11, and all power, and, and literally, and they left this out in the NLT for some reason, it's all power and dominion to him forever. Amen. Because when we, when we begin seeing this and we're like, restoration, support, strengthening, placed upon a firm foundation, I want that. I would vote for that, right? <laughs> right, and so when we get to this point, our response of worship, our response of belief is, oh God, to you be power. To you be dominion, which literally means to you be everything. Like, God, may, may this place, may this world, may everything in it be under your good rule. Because you, God, you are good. You are a good ruler. You're a good master. And I want that. I can't wait for the day that, it says in, in, in Revelation that there will be no more curse, God, and you'll just reign again. Um, and we hope for that. So, we're going to wrap up, and we're going to worship some more. We're going to sing songs together. But, but come into that time thinking this, asking yourself these questions. What, what, am I, what am I actively listening to, and then what am I believing, right? Am I listening to the accusation, and in listening to the accusation, passing them on? <laughs> And, and I, I confess, man, I was talking to my roommates this, uh, this week about how we, we can tend towards joking too much, you know? I mean, I could probably ask a lot of you in this room, especially my community group, <clears throat> right? If, if sometimes we joke too much, right? And, and, and is, that, is that feeding <laughs> the, the voice of the accusations of, yeah, ha, huh, we're going to make light of that, Right? Are we actively people strengthening the blessing that God is, is wanting to give, wanting us to believe? And are we encouraging that in the life of others, right? Am I, am I encouraging the, the group that meets at Wednesday nights at my house, or even the, you know, the church, when I have an opportunity to speak, am I encouraging in your lives, look to Jesus who is strong Savior, who when the, the devil roars and he prowls about like the roaring lion will just look like a little cat, right? 
I'm laughing. We, the prank that was played on us was about cats this week. So it's brought up images of things that were put in our house. So, <laughs> But it makes it nothing compared to Jesus Christ, right? Who has the power to restore you, to make your little Geo Metro in a, into an old Mustang, you know? <laughs> right? What does God want to do in your life? Because he sent his son because he does love you, right? And let that message not be old to you. But, but maybe just sit down and say, do I believe that, right? Do I believe, do I believe that the Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me? <clears throat> and that will, that will mute the roar of the devil. So pray with me, and then let's sing together. Father, I, I pray that... Um, that we will be confident in hope. That your promises, that maybe some of us have heard for a long time or maybe some of us have heard for the first time together today will be, uh, will be things that we hold to. We say, I believe that. When we wake up in the morning and your mercies are new and something that we can affirm, that we grab a hold of that and just say, I believe that. And we begin seeing the whole world in this light um, of a God who wishes to restore and renew and, and to make beautiful again. My God, we believe this, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.